0: Hello, oh, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a sometimes monthly, sometimes fortnightly podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... Uh, it's me, Peter. Hello. Hi,
1: Peter. How are you? I'm very well. It feels like a long time since we've sat down and recorded something.
0: When really it's only two weeks, just about.
1: That's right, yeah. Ish. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Don't let the listeners know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and how are you? How are you? How's everything going there?
0: Yeah, I'm i I'm fine, yes, I'm well. I um it feels quite strange thinking about Arkham Horror when there's glorious sunshine outside. Um I imagine when we get to do sort of desert scenarios that would be more fitting when you're kind of sweating playing with your cards, imagining how it is to be in ancient Egypt or something like that. Yeah. So this episode Dear listeners, we're going to go back to what we started doing at the very beginning of this podcast, which is focusing on a particular trait and grabbing it, having a look at it and telling you what we think about it. And this episode, we're doing the talent trait. But we're not going to do our usual thing of simply card by card, because already the pool of talents is growing to be quite unwieldy. So we're going to do it in a slightly different way. So which cards are we going to look at first, Peter? We're going to look at the core set stat boosting cards. Great. So rather than reading each of these cards to you, we're going to tell you that they're all two cost assets. There's one in each of the five factions. They each have two pips and the pips match what they boost. And you can spend a resource and boost one stat, or spend a resource and boost another stat, and all of them can be used as many times as you want during a player window.
1: So, so don't worry about only being able to boost a stat by one using one of
0: these. You can, you can. It's not one-off boosts; it's as much boost as you have the money. Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
1: incidentally, I've I, I recently invested in some some poker chips. Hang on, I'll give a nice. That's, that's my.
0: Oh, good sound. Good sound.
1: Um, to use as resource tokens to to fit the the kind of twenties poker theme. And it feels quite good if if you want to uh to, to just really skyrocket a resource for a critical test. You just push your stack of resources in and say you're going all in on this
0: test. <laughs> Maybe like the art on hard knocks, you swig from your bottle <laughs> and with your other hand push the tokens in. So very quickly these talents are called physical training, dig deep, hyper awareness, arcane studies and hard knocks And they boost, in that order, willpower and combat, willpower and agility, intellect and agility, willpower and intellect, and combat and agility. Say that a hundred times and summon uh, Cthulhu. Yeah, so each faction has access to one of these. And each of the starting investigators in the core set, in fact, could run two. Which meant that if you played as Roland, you could run physical training and hyper-awareness. And you'd have all of your statistics covered. Did you ever try a, a talented Roland Banks investigator back in the Corset days? I
1: did not do that, no. My my initial initial games with Roland I found I was always struggling to have enough cash. So a talent or any card which relied on putting a load of cash into it didn't really suit didn't suit the way I was playing. And I've I've got to say, actually, I didn't really use any of these in the core set
0: uh, when I was deck building with the core set. I was going to say, actually, exactly the same thing. I was excited by them when I first saw them, and then something about using an action to play it and spending two, and then needing the extra resources to actually make it worthwhile in tests. The only time I really saw it working well at all was physical training in Skidzotool because he can have pools of cash but often what happened for skids is if you fail a test you just spend two and retake it rather than spending four to boost yourself incredibly high Uh, i'll note that these that i think they have got a bit of a new lease of life
1: in dunwich Uh, i I think hyper awareness that uh, rex murphy tends to have a lot of cash because he can use milan or possibly something like burglary to gain loads of money so he he can typically chuck a load of money into hyper awareness, and that lets him yeah. boost his agility, which is good if you ever need to evade something. I also, as as we well know, fire axe came out, and these talents are a way of draining your pool of resources if it ever gets too big to use with the fire axe, in order to keep yourself dealing extra damage.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: So so, so I had physical training in my in my Zoe deck for instance, although I didn't use it that often. It was just a, a, a tap there if you wanted to turn on Fire Axe. And, and I guess you could maybe say the same with Arcane Studies in Agnes for if you're using something like Fire Axe or Dark Horse.
0: Yeah. I always sort of imagined I might do a a dig deep Agnes. So you've got the, the willpower and agility on tap and found that, I mean, Agnes anyway... Spells can be quite expensive, so I just never felt like I had the cash or was rolling in the cache. And when her willpower's been boosted by other things, I never really wanted to boost it on Dig Deep. And the times when I wanted to test Agility, I was playing a blinding light or just killing the thing I wanted to evade. So it sort of never really got off the ground as an idea. They certainly might come in, because I guess they all boost what you would call the primary stat
1: for that class, yeah so, yeah, so the survivor one boosts, uh, boosts evade, or does willpower and evade, because survivors are the, are the weirdest ones. Rogues gives you agility, arcane study gives you willpower, hyper awareness gives you intellect, and physical training gives you combat. So if we see investigators that are maybe not specced for some reason towards you know that stat in their class, we might see a doctor who's a guardian, for instance, who could have a high intellect but a low fight, Maybe these these cards are, yeah. are are a good thing to have in there, so you need to shore up your
0: your abilities in your core you know, in your core area. Yeah, exactly. You you don't necessarily need hyper awareness in Daisy for the intellect boost because she never needs to boost intellect. And actually it's interesting you mentioned survivors because I often thought Dig Deep would be great for Wendy, but actually she's already got a willpower of four. She's normally fine. You know, you much prefer to be boosting Skids' is willpower than, than anyone else's, really. The other way that these cards got a lease of life was the talented Jenny Barnes, which we've talked about on the Jenny episode, so I'm not going to go into that in huge detail. But because Jenny generates more resources than anyone else, suddenly that, that gave using these basic talents in Jenny a new lease of life because she could take any of them, so you could choose which statistics you wanted to boost. And spend her resources to do that.
1: Spot on, yeah. We covered that really well in our... Well, I think probably you covered that really well in our Jenny episode. <laughs> Exhaustively. Yeah. So, shall we talk about, I guess, the next step up from these talents? Yeah, yeah. So, in Blood on the Altar, we got a three experience card for each faction, but only four talents. Only four? Only four talents. I'm uh actually are oh, we did get we we actually got a fifth talent, but it's not one that fits into this cycle. <laughs> yeah. So so it, i I I hadn't realised this until you pointed it out. But the stat boosting talents we got in Blood on the Altar we have for
0: four classes, but not Mystic. So Mystic has uh, pact instead, which is blood pact. I think it's pact traited. Yeah, I think that's pact traited.
1: What's interesting about these is that first up they're permanent, so they start the game in play. They boost or boost dif- I want to say they all boost different stats to the core set stat boosters. That's true, yeah. And they all work in a slightly different way. None of them, no two of them work the same way.
0: Exactly. <laughs> the last time I mentioned these was I think on my first look at Blood on the Altar. And I mainly use the word wow, and probably not not much critical thinking. And now I've had a chance to play with all of them, I think. So we've got a bit more of an overview. Where do you want to start?
1: Well, let's start with... We'll start with Scrapper. it's yes, just jumped out to me right in the middle there. Yeah, okay. This effectively works like... This is an interesting one to start with, because it's the most like the core set ones. So this is Fist and Agility, or Combat and Agility, rather. So it's the yeah. same stats as Hard Knocks, yeah, and is a, a complement to the to Dig Deep because it's the other two stats to Dig Deep, isn't it? No, it's not. No, it's not. So no, it, agility. Dig Deep is agility. Yeah. So this this is a, basically the advantage this has over one of the core set ones is that it's permanent, so it starts the game in play, and obviously you don't have to spend
0: any resources to play it. Yeah, and it's it's only spend a resource to get plus one. So it's it's if you're used to playing with any of the core set stat boosters, you know where you're at with Scrapper because it's pay one, get one. You're used to knowing how much you pump into tests or not. What I liked about Scrapper was I put it into an Ash Campete deck and it combines nicely with Duke that when you attack with Duke, your base stat goes up to four for combat. And then you can pump in more with Scrapper if you want to, and you don't need to have cards in hand that boost. You you can't fight with a Fire Axe and with Duke in the same action, so you can't use the Fire Axe boost for fighting. But with Scrapper, you can pay resources to get plus one per resource for, for Duke fights, which is quite nice.
1: And of course, this is in the same faction as Dark Horse, so... Yes. Having something in play from the very start of the game, which lets you drain your resources in order to
0: uh, to to trigger Dark Horse, giving you your increased stats, then you know so much the better. Yeah, I think that's that's really the challenge, isn't it, with Dark Horse? Once you've got it in play, is making sure that you you've had enough resources to get as set up as you wanted to get set up, and then to have a way of getting rid of your resources so that you can start triggering Dark Horse.
1: Well, should we, should we move on to the, the, the next most uh, vanilla one? Yeah. Which, uh, in my opinion, will be Streetwise. Really? Okay. So, Streetwise over the other ones, it, this, this increases the number of resources you have to spend, so you're now spending two resources, but it gives you a plus three to your skill test, and that works on intellect and agility, which I think is quite a good combo to have because you're boosting your, your main stat but then i think most people have probably got a use for intellect because they can they can use it to investigate and no yeah. one no one with plus 3 intellect over what they've got is really suffering so you know the the worst you're going to be is four uh, more likely you're going to be you know yeah. five or six for m- most most investigators which is which is quite likely to succeed at anything
0: yeah for the investigators we've seen so far who can take it it's pushing you at nearly seeker levels of intellect, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think this is really good. And, and again, it's probably
1: a no brainer to take in Jenny because of the extra resources she can generate, right?
0: Yeah. Even doing the calculation about whether or not it's worth spending two in Jenny that it almost becomes insignificant. So yeah, really powerful. The other thing that's nice about it in Rogue is that there are some times when you really want an agility test to land, like with a backstab or setting up a sneak attack, and simply paying two resources for a really big boost can be really nice.
1: Let's let's press on. We'll look at... I'll tell you what, should we look at higher education next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're sort of working backward through the glasses. So higher education, uh, permanent again, 3 XP, It spend one resource... You get plus two to the skill test, which is great. That's, and e- it's even more efficient than uh, Streetwise, but it has a limitation, which is that you can only use these stat boosting abilities when you have five or more cards in your hand. Yeah. So I found this card really powerful uh, because, in most cases, the limitation hasn't been too crippling, especially in Faction for Seeker, where you've got. You know, preposterous sketches, cryptic research, old book of law, all giving you more cards.
0: Yeah, laboratory assistant as well.
1: And in fact, laboratory assistant is great because it helps you float more cards in your hand. So if you need to use a few in a turn, you're not suddenly going to drop below five. I also really like it because it boosts a stat that Daisy has long wanted to be able to boost, which which is willpower. I mean, you know, maybe people who are listening now. I, I, I was a big proponent recently of of a spellcasting Daisy, which it it tries to take more advantage of the fact that she's got that big purple card pool there. It's just a lot of those cards are hard to bring into her because she can't reliably get them to work.
0: Yeah, you you don't want to play a blinding light in Daisy when her agility's three already. You don't really want to be playing a shriveling and trying to fight with an with a willpower of three. Exactly,
1: yeah. So with this card, Daisy then becomes a lot more able to handle herself because only one resource. And again, Daisy's in a similar boat to Rex in that she can have Milan to generate cash doing what she wants to do. So, you know yeah. you can either put that Milan resource into us into the intellect test to really to just, you know, reliably investigate or you can hoard them up and then be a bit more independent as Daisy and able to fight things with your shriveling. My opinion of this would be almost certainly one of the most powerful of this cycle of cards. Uh, just one resource plus two, plus two to a skill test is
0: is fantastic. I'm very inclined to agree with you. Basically, I've played it in Rex a little bit, and I actually love that you can pop one or two resources into almost guarantee that you get two clues a time for those locations that you really want to clear out really quickly of clues. Or if you're going to, you know, uh, add a deduction so you can try and get even more clues, you can just basically smash the test. And exactly as you say, if you have Milan down, you're then making money back off it. Um, it becomes, yeah, really powerful. It's really an incredible card. I I also really like... That you can start the turn on four cards and play something like cryptic research, as you said, which doesn't even take an action and just fill your hand up again, and it suddenly turns on again. That yeah, ready for business. Magnificent. All of a sudden. Yeah,
1: you just you've you've done some some research through the library just to to remind yourself of what your degree covered.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, hang on, I learnt about this, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> I found myself holding on to cryptic research, maybe to play to my teammates. But then actually reaching this point where I'd i gone down to full cards for whatever reason or I'd been committing cards to their tests and then I just used it as a sort of hand refill it was, yeah, really nice, really powerful.
1: Interesting as well is that it, it opens up an interesting design space unlike maybe the, the other of these talents in that the designers are able to pressure your hand size through the encounter cards as well. So, you know, yeah. it... it although it seems very powerful right now there is a there is a way of tackling that later and i i would have been interested to see that style of restriction on all of the on, on all of these so maybe the guardian one only works if there's an enemy at your location for instance yeah yeah what you you could imagine if you've got higher education out maybe a monster engages you which says you know your hand size is reduced by 3 or, or when when this engages with you, you discard two cards at random. So suddenly, higher education becomes a lot less reliable. That becomes punishing, yeah. Yeah. Which for another investor and
0: and higher education does doesn't do anything to help you evade. Which I think is the other the other thing. If you've been using hyper awareness in seeker and using your leftover money as sort of emergency evades, if you commit to going the higher education route, that that sort of. I've got I've got six resources, I can just pile them into a, an agility test. Stops. <laughs> Stops working.
1: Yeah. All the others at, at least do one of your evade or your fight, don't they?
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, speaking of fighting, should we, should we move on to the last one, which is keen eye? Yes. Keen eye seems to flip the efficiency of, of higher education, where we have to spend two resources to get plus one to the stat. However, the stat boost lasts until the end of the phase. So if you're doing you still get an efficiency if you're using that stat multiple times in one turn. If you use the stat twice,
0: you're essentially paying one resource for plus one twice. Yep. If you use it three times, you're starting to get good value out of what you're paying. Or you boost it so so say I've I've got a test
1: and I boost my stat twice for that test. So I've spent four resources. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, what you said. Yeah, this, so so what you said is completely right. But I've got plus two to two tests, so I've effectively given myself plus four for four
0: resources. Yeah, well, well, quite. I think it really feeds into if you're attacking a big monster that you know you're going to take swings at multiple times, because you might not have both of your overpowers in your deck or in your hand, rather ready to commit them and sort of ace the tests. So being able to say I'm spending two or four and I'm swinging at six or seven twice in a row is really, really strong. And the other thing that's nice about Kenai is that intellect stat. If you're going to spend a turn trying to be a useful investigator grabbing clues, again, you don't necessarily want to be throwing intellect icons out of your hand repeatedly.
1: I Honestly, I think that's what I've used this for more in, in Guardian than I have for the combat. So Zoe starts off at a at a two, and I think the only time I've used it really was a, was when I was at a two shroud location, boosted my stat by two by spending four resources and then investigated three times, uh, and actually found found three clues on the location, which was enough to give us another victory point.
0: It's great, yeah, that's really good. I think it. I think it also leans on Roland has a reasonable intellect and a and a good combat combat of four intellect of three and. This in play means that he can do the things that he does well, which are investigating and fighting monsters to get more clues. So I like like it in Roland as well as an option. The caveat definitely exists for Guardian, though, that sometimes they're short on cash, Roland particularly. If you've picked expensive allies and you've got big guns in your deck, it can be tricky to also have the spare resources left over
1: yeah certainly certainly and yeah and this is where having to spend two really shows when when you're the other ones are it's very much a case of right i need to do well at this test so i'll spend my one there or two if you're a rogue to, to boost it by three it's only in it's, it's in fewer situations where i'm doing lots and i only get a little bit better at each one for spending two
0: yeah this isn't an every turn booster is it it's a sort of picking your battles.
1: Like with higher education, I could spend three to get plus two to my stat three times in a turn. With this, sorry, what did I say? If I, I spend three to yeah. get plus two to my stat, so I've effectively spent three to get plus six worth of bonus six, and I'd have to spend tw- twelve to get yeah. plus six. Thanks for thanks for. That <laughs> it's been a long day. But yeah, it's, it's, but you see what I mean, yeah. So it, it's 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 hard yeah. I think it's 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 harder to squeeze
0: this into to Guardian at the moment. Yeah, I think so. Um you mentioned the idea of uh with Seeker your hand being pressured as a way of punishing a player who's committed to higher education, and I think knowing what basic weakness you have in your deck after the first scenario is really important actually deciding if you want to go down that route if you have amnesia in your deck and you're a seeker at some point in the scenario your hand's going to to get emptied and higher education will turn off and if that's a, a sort of crucial moment as daisy when you're hoping to then be using your will to fight or evade that can be really really painful and similarly if you have paranoia as jenny with streetwise or as zoe with kenai again suddenly your money's gone and relying on this boost is is folly and that's i think i love that the, the they can sort of push the design space there where none of these cards are auto includes you've got to you've got to be a little bit thoughtful in choosing to run them but then they also have really powerful bonuses if everything goes well.
1: Yeah. And I would say there's not really much of a cost to including them. You're not, you're not, it's, it's only the experience cost that you are investing in that. So yeah, it's not a no brainer to add them, but at least when you add them, you're never cutting out something else you're going to, you're going to miss.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and speaking of three XP talents that are permanent, that, you might want to think about adding to your deck. We got two early on in the Dunwich Cycle, namely Charisma and Relic Hunter, and we should just just acknowledge them here. We've talked about them in detail earlier on as well, but they're also talents, so they're also these sort of passive abilities that talents can seem to represent. But they're definitely ones where you want to have thought about building your deck in that direction. I think Relic Hunter more so than Charisma.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh, as you said, we have talked about these quite a bit. And I think we've we've briefly talked about this, but we'd love to do an episode at some point focusing on deck building and use of slots in your deck. Yeah, we have it in the pipeline. But especially bearing in mind how the Dunwich cycle is structured so far, there's, I mean, it, it's it's not much of a spoiler to say there's plenty of allies, story allies to go around. Yeah. So, so charisma has well, been the one I've I've picked up a few times, even on even on characters which you wouldn't have really said were a, a, you know an ally heavy build, with a spare three experience and a couple of story assets. You know, I pick up charisma
0: just so I can I, I can play them because it's it, you don't want that awkward situation where you have Earl Sawyer in your hand, but you don't want to put him down because you're waiting for Peter Sylvester or something like that and they'll give you the same boost. It, it would be nice to put El Sawyer down, draw a couple of cards off evading some enemies, and then when Peter turns up, be able to play Peter. Or, you know, there are many other examples of double ally play. It is
1: interesting, I think, that these the difference between these two cards is a purely metagame difference, in that they're, they're equally as powerful. They both take a, a slot you have one of, and add an extra one they both cost three experience you know they they they're both permanent so there's nothing nothing to t- decide between them aside from the slot they give you and it says something about the card pool at the moment where i've seen so many people with charisma most people seem to pick it up at some point but i don't think i've seen anyone take relic hunter
0: yeah unless you're going to do a sort of dedicated accessory build i think personally i think agnes and wendy are the the places that you might want to do that because they both have accessories as their signature assets so if you want you're going to have an accessory there you're maybe going to have a rabbit's foot or a holy rosary as well and then maybe you're going to add some other accessory to to fill out the accessory pool the other option is is maybe zoe with the cross and police badge is that a possibility Uh, yeah
1: i I guess so The, the benefit of police badge in zoe has always been to me that you can you can sacrifice the the police badge to give yourself some extra actions. So if mm, you get a yeah. police badge first, you can play it and then destroy it when you get the cross
0: and you've got, you know, it's paid for itself. Well, and this all feeds into our slots discussion that we'll, we'll come to have at another time. <laughs> yeah.
1: So after that, after those two, we're left with a handful more talents which don't really have a solid theme to latch onto with just a sort of scattering of other cards. So one of the questions I was going to ask you, Frank, looking at the talents as a whole, what it is do you think that ties them together? Because we haven't yet seen any, any other cards, any investigators, which reference talents, have we? No, I don't think so. But bearing in mind some of the other cards that have been e- even officially teased, so like Marie, she references... Occult, uh, which is a, which the trade-on card. So it's certainly something we could see happen, uh, that talents are referenced
0: uh, as part of a de- the deck-building restrictions on an Investigator. Yeah, so that's a really good question because there's a couple of things. One is that the permanent talents that we were just talking about, where there's a 3 XP threshold, that, that 3 XP threshold, I think, is, is very carefully chosen because often that's the point at which dual-class investigators don't get access to the higher cards so if you're playing as roland you can only go up to seeker level 2 so you can't be a higher educated roland and similarly you can't be a a scrapper agnes because you don't have access so the higher xp talents seem to be suggesting something about what the sort of core qualities are of the particular classes which I think is interesting but the other thing i think about talents is I've started to think about them a little bit like almost like not quite passive abilities, but those sort of abilities in role-playing games that they're not they're not flashy, they're little boosts doing just giving you a little bit of an edge or a little bit of an advantage. And looking at some of these other ones, maybe we'll see an example of that. So for instance, just just diving a on one, pickpocketing in Rogue, you pay two to play it. It's got the talent trait and the illicit trait and agility icon, and it has a reaction trigger after you ev- evade an enemy, exhaust pickpocketing, draw a card. This, to me, is the sort of classic non-flashy card, and it's a card that I don't see played that often. But I think it's actually quite powerful because there are plenty of people who can evade quite easily, and if you're getting a card as well as turning off an enemy for a turn, that that's great. I, th- I think... It, it, that, that's that's a very astute observation. Actually, I
1: think I've got the list of talents in front of me, and I can't pick any which I wouldn't say are emblematic, emblematic, emblematic of of their class. Mm-hmm. So they they all represent something about their their class, how their class works. So yeah, your example of, of pickpocketing is is spot on. You also look at one of my favorite cards is Forbidden Knowledge, because obviously that. That combos well with Agnes, but, but when we look at how it works, it's very much a mystic theme to be benefiting, benefiting from something which is hurting you at the same time. So
0: forbidden knowledge, we, we, as we you know delve deeper, we take horror. You're, you're right with forbidden knowledge. So it, it defines the class to a certain degree, and the, it's also an example of not being a flashy card it's take a resource get a get a horror and and you can only do it do it once a turn so it's yeah it's the opposite of sort of big explosions in agnes that becomes really powerful because it's a damage but actually just in what it does it's one of the few other economy cards in the game apart from emergency cash that just can give you some kind of drip of money that's helpful and i've often seen the mystic player in a group put it down early because it doesn't cost them anything to play and then it just sits there with the resources on it and they're only using it sort of as and when they need it they're not pounding through it to get really rich and and that's how they use it and i think i think it's a really yeah a really good yeah and, and then if, if we look
1: at i mean briefly we'll mention first aid which you know is is, is the gar- the guardian theme of of healing people that you know, Not just yourself, but other other investigators as well. I don't necessarily think it's a great healing card, Mm. but 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 it's it's good. Scavenging uh, is another one. Scavenging really plays into that survivor theme of having to find you know find your tools to survive, Uh, and and sort of I think we'll find survivor is really the class of interacting with your discard pile.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting actually you mentioned those two as a pair, first aid and scavenging, because they're also cards that someone puts down early in a scenario and then they sit there doing nothing. And sometimes you go, well what, you know, why did you play the first aid? We didn't need it. But there are often times late in a scenario when you've got you're maybe waiting for something to happen or the Someone else is trying to get the clues, and you're the fighter, and you're sort of hanging around waiting to fight something. And there's no enemies have come out of the encounter deck. And what you wish you could do is do something with your spare actions that are, that isn't just. I, I've, of I've been meaning
1: resources. to write an article about this for a while, or or, or do a cast about this. So I, I think there's a category of card in Arkham which is filler cards, and I think filler cards are more or less useful in 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 different investigators. And the more specialised, the more. I guess, dead actions you'll have and the more use you'll have for cards which productively fill in those spare actions. First Aid is a great example of one. I think you could probably say it's not a talent, so I do not talk about it much, but, but Scrying is in a similar place where it's it's a nice effect, but it's not something you want to be spending actions you could be investigating or fighting doing.
0: Yeah. Those those early turns in a scenario when the person with scrying is scrying instead of being helpful, you're going you're wasting time. But later on, when maybe they don't need to do anything, spending an action to heal someone or spending an action to set up the encounter deck a little bit better can be invaluable. I often see a scavenging player not succeed by two and not get a card back and i find that very entertaining <laughs> i think scavenging is quite a hit and miss one because it has a qualification on it in the way that yeah it, it, the requirement is is slightly harder than simply evade an enemy or simply play it and use the supplies
1: but at least it it doesn't it doesn't cost you anything to use it you know once it's in you know it just sits there yeah. sits there until it works which is cool
0: and then we there are. There's we should mention burglary.
1: Well, I, which is just before you mention that, I'll say what is interesting is that rogues seem to have a disproportionate number of talents.
0: Yeah, they do. So they have streetwise and hard knocks, but then they also have lone wolf bur- burglary and pickpocketing, as well as adaptable at a higher XP, which will come. To- oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Sorry, you were going to say something about burglary. I was well. On on rogues having more talents, are are we meant to see that rogues are the class that have these sort of quasi-passive skills and are prepared to kind of live by their wits and deal with any situation? And I think you might not necessarily want every single rogue talent in your rogue deck, but there's definitely options within the talent pool for leaning on the strengths of your investigator, depending on what you want to do. Burglary, I was just going to say, it's a, again, it's a once-per-turn thing. And it leans into what rogues like, which is lots of resources. And again, it has a qualification, which is you have to take a test, and that's an investigation test. But it can be really powerful in the right hands, particularly if there are low shroud locations. You can see a rogue player very quickly be swimming in cash. Or if you're running this in Rex, he loves bur- burglarizing. Yeah, it? burglaring. Burglaring burgling
1: burgling, that's burgling it. yeah that that's the actual word uh, <laughs> yeah. of course burgling. of course with 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 rex he he can still find a clue at his location because his his abilities of reaction yeah. so he can burgle and still discover a clue that they can get lovely the other talent that was added in blood on the altar is Lone wolf and if 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 we look at talents as all being cards that are that are um Indicative of how the class works. Lone Wolf is interesting because I've long maintained we could almost see Rogue become the dedicated solo class, and Lone Wolf to me is a clue that yeah, that this this is this is how it works. So Lone Wolf is great when you're by yourself because it's giving you money every single turn.
0: Yeah, they in, in fact there are six Rogue talents, and that's twice as many as any other class has, and. Yeah, precisely. If they're these cards that are non-flashy, but providing steady, decent boosts, Lone Wolf really sums that up, actually. <laughs> Pay one, and then every subsequent turn, get a resource extra. I mean, I love it. I think it's an incredible card. And obviously, it's very powerful solo. And it, to me, yeah, somewhat sums up that that rogues should be able to, to fend for themselves to a certain extent. I mean, there are two. There are two talents left. How rapidly we've gone through them all, and one of them we dedicated half an episode to. That was adaptable. So that's a rogue permanent talent.
1: If, if anything, my it's opinion. One XP opinion of adaptable has only improved since we did the episode on it. I think it's an absolutely fantastic card, and I'm constantly jealous of my. In fact, he's not even playing. He's not even playing a rogue. He's playing Wendy, and he's got adaptable in his deck, and he like. Every between every situa- every scenario he's thinking about what extra cards he gets to swap because everyone knows half of the fun of the game is swapping the cards in your deck between the scenarios
0: and he's got an extra card yeah. that lets him do more of it I'm very jealous <laughs> and that, that just about sums it up I mean if you want us to talk about Adaptable in more detail go back and find that episode it's called Esoteric Devices number one it's probably three or four episodes ago and yeah exactly it it was it was a fascinating card for us because it's a permanent and it changes how deck building works and it's tied to a particular class. But yeah, it's very powerful. And there's one other 1xp 1 talent that I suspect you should read
1: for us. Yeah, yeah, certainly. So this is a seeker talent. It is uh, So it costs three uh, and is one experience to buy. Has an agility pip. And then it has a fast action during your turn. If you're not engaged with any enemies exhaust pathfinder, move to a connecting location. And yeah, this isn't a any kind of slot. Well just like all of the other talents, actually. Yeah, so, so this is this is effectively a free move every turn. If you're a seeker, typically you don't want to be engaged with enemies. You want other people to be taking the enemies off you. And this just lets you absolutely zip around the map. It's amazing. It's not it's not Limit one per investigator either, so you can have two Pathfinders. So I've seen people like yep. double Pathfinder, then Shortcut. And they've they've spent what would take you a whole
0: turn they've done without spending an action. The amount it adds to a Seeker's efficiency when a Seeker's primary role is be in a location, get the clues, move on. It's, it's incredible. You can't actually t- tell how much looking at the card. But I would say I love that Shortcut is free as well. But if this was, say... I don't know, a one cost that gave you three free moves or something like that. It would be worth, you know, the value of paying three resources and getting a move every single turn is just incredible. It's such a decent card. Roland loves it as well because he loves to get to locations where enemies are if he's not started his turn with them and kill them and he can take it. Yeah, it's it's great.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm really, really impressed with this card. It's usually one of the first cards I get as a Seeker because... I mean, it it's almost like a Leo Deluca, and that it gives you an extra action every turn. It's more specific, but also it's half the price, and it doesn't use a slot. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone would ever be disappointed to have this in their deck. A bit harder to use solo, I would guess, but I mean, if if you're playing multiplayer, yeah, absolutely top of, top of the the list of priorities for Seeker.
0: Well, I was just about to say that the other nice thing about it is it's it's a during your turn free trigger. So it it's not even at the start of your turn you can zip around. You can do other things in your turn and then evade an enemy or evade an enemy and get some clues and then zip away. You can do it at the end of your turn or the start or or whenever. And that's that's really nice as well that there's there's so much flexibility built into it. Yeah. You know, sometimes I've I've had it down and I've not needed to move straight away, or I've waited to see how things have gone for other players before. You know, okay, if you if you don't manage to get all the clues in that location, I'll pathfind in and I'll I'll clear it up. Or, okay, you've cleared that location, so I'm going to stay here, or you know, whatever it is. It just it just gives you so many movement options that aren't committing an action to move. I, I think on,
1: on one notable occasion, we had a we had a, a a hall left with clues on it in the Miskatonic Museum, so I pathfinded it in. I used two uh, working a hunch to get two clues off it, and then I used shortcut to get back out. So I'd done two moves and found two clues without spending an
0: action. And you gain yourself a a victory point. Uh, well, imagine. that was exactly it. Yeah, <laughs> just go and scoop one up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really powerful. It's this in in Essex County Express as well. If your your last action you grab the last clue in your carriage, you can then bing move to the next carriage before you're stuck at the, at the carriage you're in. Is, yeah, it's great. Again, it doesn't look flashy. It's not an amazing effect that it's giving you in that it's just giving you a move, but it's actually a really reliable, really powerful effect. So, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, well, that, that that's all of them. That is all the talents
1: in our Whistle Stop Tour. It's interesting talking about these. As, 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 I, as I mentioned earlier, there's, they're, they're more diverse as a theme. Like when we did weapons or allies, we we knew what was tying them together, and we had a more a basis to com- to compare one to the other. But th- these cards are quite disparate. But as you mentioned, I think there is that theme running through them, that they're, they 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 do something quite basic, but something that their their class likes to do.
0: Yeah, what's it called in an RPG when you have an ability that you can only use once a period, or something like that. I can't. Why? Well, and I'm, my RPG terminology is not strong enough.
1: In D and D Fourth Edition, it would be called an
0: an in well, it would be called an encounter ability, so you could do it once per encounter. Yeah, this this sort of is they're reminiscent of that to me, even though they're not identical. In a similar way that I've heard people talk about the neutral skill cards as cantrips that they sort of replace themselves. Sometimes I think about the talents in sort of that way, that they're, yeah, they're a sort of a, a fairly simple passive ability that you may, there's maybe a time restriction on. You know, often the restriction is actually if you have enough resources to boost yourself. So if you have had, dear listener, any success with a particular talent deck, whether that's a pickpocketing lone wolf deck or just playing one of the core set stat boosters, in a particular class, why don't you let us know? You can reach us. We are uh, drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, we're drawn to the flame. We're on Twitter, we're drawn to the flame. We check it pretty regularly. You can find us both online. I'm FB on Twitter, that's EPH underscore BEE. And I'm on Discord as Zooey Glass. And I'm on Arkham DB as Zozo. Uh, and I'm everywhere is Unitals, so that's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. Shout out again to SF Ram- Rembrandt. Rembrandt? Rembrandt. SF Rembrandt on Instagram, who provided our amazing new art, which we love. Yeah, so I, much. I, I can't stress art. enough
1: how much I love that logo. It it looks really good. I'm I'm sorely tempted to get some uh, some mats or something
0: printed. <laughs> oh, drawn to the flame stash. I love the sound of that. It's all about the merch <laughs> and as ever thank you very much for listening thank you